Playing the ukulele badly because this podcast is self-produced. Weird stuff has happened in the past and here I am to tell you about it, I guess. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Absurd Real History. Hello and welcome to Absurd Real History, the podcast where I find crazy stories from the past and find a guest to tell said stories too. I'm, of course, Saoirse Sinead, and I am joined by comedian John Spillan. Hello, John. Hello, Saoirse. How are you getting on? I'm good. I'm good. For the listeners at home don't know that we just did a 10-second silence at the start, uh, and it was very mournful. Yeah. What were you thinking about? What were you It mourning? really set the tone, like... <laughs> Yeah, I've done a lot of podcasts and usually they come in like with car horn sounds and a wackadoo and this came in nice, firm, respectful and that's what I expect when I do a podcast. Mm. So you're off to a good start. Good. I'm glad my professionalism has reached you deep inside. So John, tell me, what do you know about the Moulin Rouge? The Moulin Rouge, um, I know uh, there is a fantastic documentary about it. Uh, starring Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. and Ewan McGregor. Yep. Um, uh, uh, fun fact, my father's favourite movie. Ah, that's lovely. Uh, another fun fact, uh, absolutely not my favourite movie. <laughs> um, I For years, I thought the only, like... The only thing redeeming about Moulin Rouge, because I really hated it. You know when you watch a movie, your, your parents make you watch a movie a bit as a child, or your sisters yeah. like it, or your brothers like it, and so you just hate it because it's on and you don't like it? Yeah. Well, I hated Moulin Rouge, uh, but I thought its only redeeming factor was that it had this brilliant song in it uh, called Your Song. And I thought, God, the, <laughs> original. the people who wrote... Grew- <laughs> Moulin Rouge really wrote this original brilliant song and if that song could just exist outside of the movie I would really like it and then uh, this year I discovered Elton John so I'm very embarrassed (laughs) yeah it's a pretty pretty over the top movie and uh, there's the bit where the guy goes you can 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 yeah so the can can when you think of like the Moulin Rouge what kind of acts do you think happened there Back in that period. We're Oof. talking about the same period that Moulin Rouge is set. So like the 1890s. Mm. 1890s. So uh, first thing popping out to my head is burlesque. Yeah. That's what I feel. Mm. I could be terribly historically inaccurate. Uh, but I feel like Nicole Kidman's a burlesque lady in it. So not farts. Fart, not farts, no. Okay. But Although... <laughs> I feel like I'm starting to turn around on the Moulin Rouge if this is going in any kind of direction I think it may be going. Yeah, we're talking about farts for the whole episode, more or less. Absolutely. I t- immediately <laughs> turned around on the Moulin Rouge. The main headline act in the early years of the Moulin Rouge was a guy farting on stage. <laughs> now, um, is the Moulin Rouge, uh, forgive my, my ignorance uh, to clearly what is the highest form of art, but... The highest form of fart, if you will. Is the Moulin Rouge a type of thing or is it just one building, one place in time? So like, is it like the circus and there's loads of circuses and they go around the world or is the Moulin Rouge just just one? It's like going to uh, Wigwam. You know the movie Moulin Rouge with the big windmill? It's that building in Paris. Okay, vaguely remember. Yeah. On October 6th, 1889, Joseph Aller and Charles Zidler, I'm going to be doing terrible... French pronunciations throughout this whole thing 
uh, opened the Moulin Rouge in Paris. Uh, this would go on to become world famous for its extravagant acts, crazy atmosphere. They had an elephant with a belly dancer on top in the garden. To give you an example of the, the kind of place this was. I love that they're trying to corner both the belly dancing and elephant markets. Would anybody look at the, the elephant and be bored and be like, oh, not enough. Let's put a lady dancing on top. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, and donkeys for donkey rides, which I feel is not as interesting as the, the elephants. So wait, wait, but wait, donkey for donkey rides isn't like people could ride the donkeys. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. I hope you get bored of the sexy ladies inside. Just go outside and <laughs> ride a donkey. Yeah, donkey. That is exactly what I would be doing. If I was like, if I was on like a stag in the eighteen hundreds, and all the lads are like, "Whoa, look at this belly dancer!" Yeah, I'd be outside on the donkey, like, "Wee!" Feeding yeah. the carrots, making it my friend. Yes. Yeah, so when we think of the Moulin Rouge, we think of the Can Can. It's said that the Can Can originated in the Moulin Rouge, although that's definitely not true. It's just kind of what made it famous absolutely um and you know the 2001 aesthetic of the movie and that song that taught all teenagers to ask for sex in french you know voulez-vous coucher avec moi Oh, yes. I, uh, I did not know that's what any of that was. No? I did not know that song was from that movie, and I did not know that is what that sentence meant. Did you not, when you were like 14, 15, have a, oh, you know that song means, would you like to sleep with me? <laughs> no, that's not really what my friends were into when I was 14, 15. I'm sure all the cool people were into it, but I was hanging out with my buddies, and we were just talking about donkeys. Yeah, who knew? Who donkeys? Who knew that they were both... We were just <laughs> like, oh, God, I love to go on a donkey ride. We'd go to the donkey sanctuary, which is a big into yeah. donkeys. So as I said, the early days of the Moulin Rouge and one of their highest paid acts and most popular acts was a man farting on stage. This was Joseph Pongeon, which I hope I'm pronouncing right. I looked up like pronunciations a million times before this. Pongeon. He's a professional farter. You better give him some yeah. respect. Uh, he performed under the stage name Le Petit Mont. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know any French? <laughs> Um, le petit sounds like maybe small. It's fart. The sm- it it oh, translates okay. roughly well. to fartomaniac or something like that. <laughs> Absolutely. So Pongeon was a flatulence musician, a professional flatulist, a, fl- a fartor or a fartiste, whichever of those terms you like the most. Oh, I like all of them equally. Yeah. It's already my favorite genre of thing. <laughs> It was a skill that eventually made him the most well-known and highest paid entertainer in all of France. In fact, during this period of time, the only stage performer in Europe making more money than him was my boy, Harry Houdini. Because I love Harry Houdini. God, I feel like Harry Houdini, impressive, but come on, we got to go with farting maniac. Okay, Saoirse, let's 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 be honest here now. Let's just you can edit this out of the podcast because you know this will just be between you and me. But someone's coming up to you right now and they're saying, "All right, we can hop into a time machine here, and you can either go and see Harry Houdini do magic tricks, you know those things you see all the time at children's parties in your present day, or you can go see a man fart musically." Nah, Houdini. Are you trying? Are you gonna lie to me right now and tell me you're gonna go see Harry Houdini? Look, don't think farting's very funny. I'm just putting it out there. You're a liar. I'm You're an absolute not lying. liar. I'm not lying. That I is, researched is... a lot of this and I was just like, man, what? <laughs> farting is one of, if not the funniest thing. I, it's yeah. first of all, 
it comes out of your bum, which is another one of the funniest things. So it's already co-starring with one of the funniest things. It's hot air that's been swirling around poo, another hilarious thing, poo. And then other people hear it. It makes a silly toot noise, like, that's hilarious. And then sometimes they smell it as well. And it's kind of like a funny little smell. So it smells funny. It sounds funny. And it comes out of your butt. Like, it's the funniest thing ever. You know, this is why I asked you on for this episode, because I somehow knew you found farts hilarious. They're hilarious. (laughs) And I'm going to, look, I'm going on a bit of a tangent here. That's okay. Anybody, I've lived with mostly uh, male roommates. And some male roommates find farts funny and others uh, get really uh, cross about it. And to the ones who've gone cross about it, they've really done themselves dirty in my book because I, if someone farts on me, I think it's hilarious. If someone farts near me, it's hilarious. If I hear a fart from a distance. In our house, we've got an extractor fan for like when you're cooking and it smells too much. And if someone farts near it, it goes on. So even if your fart is silent in our kitchen, we know if you've been farting. And it makes my day every time it goes off. So I'm sorry. Farts are the best. Great. We're going to love this. going to be your new hero, I think. Your new comedic role model. Uh, He is. I think I found a new career. Yeah. So Joseph Poujon was born in Marseille in France, June 1st, 1857, the eldest of five. His parents were Catalonian stonemasons. Well, his father was. When he was around 10 years old, he discovered his talents at the beach when preparing to dive into the water. He took a deep breath in and was shocked when the cold water penetrated his anus and then found with further abdominal and anus control, he could shoot the water back out with great force. Absolutely. What a talent. Apparently he was alarmed, but a doctor assured him nothing was wrong. And then he went on to an apprenticeship in a local bakery. So not only is this man a farting professional, but he's also the world's first water type Pokemon. Yes. Absolutely. This man is a certified Squirtle and I I love it. Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It's not really a secret. Joseph wasn't technically farting. He was ass breathing. He could inhale and exhale through his anus. Wait, wait a minute, wait. Wait, we gotta, we gotta pump the brakes on this again. So are you telling me that if we were to, if we were to put a pillow over this man's face and try and suffocate him, he could survive through his ass? Well, I don't think it went to his lungs. I like to believe that it did. I, I I went into this thinking that the funniest thing in the world was farting. And now I've learned about something called ass breathing. I'm so happy. During his military service, he told and entertained his friends with his talent. He would suck water up through a pan, then shoot it out with great force out several feet. Uh, his friends found this hilarious. I hope they used it on the enemy. <laughs> well, there was no war at the time. It was just at the time in France. You had to do a mandatory military service. I think it was mostly training. and. I'm not really sure, but his friends loved it. So yeah, um, Pujon found he could easily inhale two liters of water in and out of his colon completely voluntarily. <laughs> You're snorting. I'm glad, uh, glad it's not involuntary. You know, then it's not really a talent. Then it's a medical issue. You know, you couldn't go, you couldn't do anything if you're... God, uh, it, Charles Xavier needs to get this guy on the X-Men ASAP. <laughs> 
After further practice, he began doing it with air, with great rectal and abdominal control. He would spend years honing his technique until he could control the release of the air over 10 to 15 seconds at a time. He could do kind of whistling or humming and control the volume and pitch. He trained his ass as any singer would their voice. True, like any real artist? Like a real artist. Like a real artist. So it was in the army that he got the nickname Le Petit Mont, which as I told you before, means fartomaniac and would go on to become his stage name. As I said, not technically farting, but you know, it sounded like farts and it was coming out of his ass. So we'll let him have it. It's not technically farting, but it's even better. It's ass breathing. And uh, I don't know about you, but I will forever refer to farts as ass breathing. There you go. I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm teaching you new terminology. Yeah, look, you you learn something new every day, but it's not every day you learn something that changes your life. That's what I try and do on this podcast. I try and change people's lives. Well, you succeeded. I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank you. So returning home, he went back to working in the bakery, but continued to hone his talent, amusing friends and customers when they came into the shop. He would just, you know, make these farty noises. I think some appreciated it. Some didn't. They just wanted their cakes. Um, he decided to quit the bakery and pursue a career in show business. Too right. Yeah. I can't believe he even spent any time in that bloody bakery with ingrates trying to get cakes when he's just has this talent out there on the stage. Yeah, so he adapted his unusual skills and went to the theater. At the age of 30, in 1887, Joseph began his comedy career performing acts centered around his farting at his local theater. Mm. It was ultimately very successful. People thought it was hilarious. <laughs> he developed the act across France until he reached Paris in 1892 and, on, and insisted on auditioning for the director of the Moulin Rouge, Charles Zindler. You don't see that in the movie. Maybe you would have liked Moulin Rouge more if that was the centerpiece. Absolutely, I would have liked Moulin Rouge was about this guy. What the hell are they doing making a Moulin Rouge movie that wasn't feature, didn't feature this guy? That's that'd be like making a movie about Queen and Freddie Mercury isn't in it. Yeah, he is the star. <laughs> He's the main one. Mm-hmm. During his audition, Pajon told Zedler, "Well, you see, Monsieur, I have an anus like a suction device. In other words, my anus is so stretchy that I can open and close it at will." He goes on. It happens, Monsieur, that through this fortunate opening, I can take any quality of liquid given to me. He came prepared with a hole cut in his underwear and quickly sucked the water out of the tub presented to him and squirted it right back out, then continued his demonstration with various farting sounds. Zidler found it hilarious and Pujou had his first show at the Moulin Rouge that very evening. Absolutely. You know, we're both in show business. And you hear the cream rises to the top, but sometimes you doubt it. Sometimes you think to yourself, the best may not always get discovered. But by God, the best did get discovered that day at the Moulin Rouge. And he would go on to headline. Like, not only did he perform at the Moulin Rouge, he was their main headliner act. And their most profitable as well. Absolutely. And too right he should have been. Nicole Kidman doesn't stand a chance against this fella. (laughs) During his performance, he would wear a fine, elegant red coat with a satin red collar and fancy black uh, breeches, white gloves as well. He sported a fabulous thick black moustache. It's one of those moustaches that is what you think of when you think of a fake moustache, the very standard Mm. black swirly one. You know what I'm talking about? 
I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know exactly. You know exactly what I'm talking about. He would assure his audience not to worry, as his farts were odorless. Because as we said before, it's not technically farting, so there's no smell. There was no bad smell because it was just very controlled ass breathing. Look, that's this is the one um, fault I found with him so far, but I'll let it slide. But my God, if these were f- smelled, even funnier. You're disappointed it's, they weren't smelly? Yeah, a little bit. I'm sorry. A little bit. Asprey being wild hilarious has some uh, some weaknesses compared to farting. Some downfalls, it's yeah. It's so brilliant, but, you know. After signing with Moulin Rouge, him and his family moved to Paris. He had a wife named Elizabeth. So there you go, he's a family man as well. Now, do we know anything about how he met his wife? No, I tried my best to find and there was nothing Mm. on it because you know history doesn't care about women which is frustrating when you're trying to find out about women that does sound very frustrating luckily there's plenty of history about farting performers so at least they got that right Uh, i bet you're wondering what kind of things were included in his act absolutely le petit act um, had various impressions done through farting. The new bride, in which he would em- emit a tiny toot of a sound, which would then be followed by a thunderous emission, which he labels that same bride later on in the marriage. So that's one of his oh, bits. Oh, God. Okay. All right. Let's, you know, I'm all for fart humor, but let's, you know, oh, my wife jokes. Come on, farting, ass breather. You're better than that, ass breather. He also did impressions of famous people through his farts. Um, He would also imitate cannon fire, thunderstorms, uh, various animals. Uh, One of his most famous bits was a dressmaker tearing calico, which was roughly about 10 seconds of a long ripping noise. I don't want to think about what was ripping during that impression. It's just the noise. It's just great sphincter control. Mm, Okay, hopefully. Other bits of his acts included, and here you go, because it's ass breathing, it's not just farting. He could blow out candles with his ass. Another bit he would do was smoking two cigarettes at once. So I'll let you think about that. Oh, okay. Okay. Hope he he doesn't inhale and exhale. Hope he doesn't get the cigarettes confused afterwards. Oh, God. They're very clearly marked. Yeah. He could inhale and exhale smoke. He would smoke a cigarette with his ass. That is... (laughs) For some reason, I'm just imagining his butt's like a dragon now. Would it be smoother, I wonder? Or rougher? Smooth down there? It's his instrument. He's got to be polishing it up. I think the most beautiful bottom in all of Paris. Well, he's getting enemas all the time with all this water <sighs> sucking. Um, he could also enunciate letters of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he would fart along to various songs, including the French national anthem. And he would often joke that he was the only artist that didn't have to pay royalty fees for his singing because he was just farting along instead of singing along. So no copyrighted lyrics. God. Like, the, he has thought of every single contingency. Not only is he a genius performer, but he's also a brilliant businessman. He would insert a rubber tube into his anus, attached to an ocarina at the end of a ho- of the hose, and played popular tunes while inviting the audience to sing along. <laughs> Le Petit Mont could only produce four notes without the aid of, 
of an instrument, do, mi, so, and the octave, do. So you need an instrument for the proper playing. Like you play flutes and ocarina with his ass breathing. So he had like a little converter. Yeah, yeah, like a tube. Like a HDMI for his ass. I guess that would be modern terminology. That's very handy. So Pat House's people loved him. People thought he was hilarious. The Moulin Rouge had medical staff on standby because people were laughing so much from his performances. So just in case like they were laughing so hard they needed medical attention. Well, women would often faint from laughing so hard because they were wearing corsets, which restricted their breathing. So laughing that hard while wearing the corsets would cause them to get lightheaded and faint. So they needed medical assistance on standby. Well, look, I'm sure the corsets were tight as they are, but let's give the credit where it belongs to Farting Mania. It's got a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. But uh, my God, that's now my new dream is to make (laughs) people laugh so hard they need to require medical attention. Just someone standing in the back of Wigwam with a stethoscope, the classic symbol of a doctor, and just waiting for the farting to begin. Yeah, it reminds me of when I worked in I worked in scare houses in the past, and the goal was always to make someone wet themselves. You know, it was a good you did well if someone had wet themselves. That's it. That's what it's all about. There has to be some kind of bonus system. <laughs> Uh, some of Joseph's more notable audience members included Sigmund Freud, who also found him hilarious, Edward, Prince of Wales, and Leopold II of Belgium, who went in disguise and is also one of the worst people ever. If you didn't know that, he's terrible. But yeah, they are. Oh, God. Uh, with um, Hopefully not to make it too much of a downer. Why is he terrible? Um, he kind of ruined the Congo and all that stuff with... Uh, rubber basically for a second there i thought you said he ruined the conga and i was like okay look there's worse things in the world than ruining a silly dance no he's like um... no no but then i copped the he was a uh, no he was a, a political monster yeah he just decided he wanted a colony and then uh continued to treat the people in congo absolutely terribly and exploit them for their rubber probably in one of the worst ways possible. So yeah, well, Belgium. That guy sucks. Yeah. So I th- what was weird and interesting about uh, Le Petitmont is everyone thought he was hilarious. And this was a big thing with the Moulin Rouge as well. You had people of high class society kind of mixing um, with the Bohemians and kind of the more, the regulars, I guess. Everyone loved farts. Farting, farts. it brings the classes exactly. together. Exactly. In night. <laughs> and look, things aren't so good in America right now, and I think what they read more need more than anything is another farting maniac. Well, maybe that can be you. You can. You're goddamn right. It's gonna be me. <laughs> but can you ass breathe? Goddamn right. I can't ass breathe. That is gonna kind of trip me up a little bit. Have you tried? Uh, I haven't tried. Are you gonna try now? Yeah, I'm trying as as we as we speak, and uh, no, I'm just kind of just a little bit. You of can a wait poker. till we're done, John. Okay. Um, you can wait till we're done. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not giving out my ass breathing for free here on this podcast, okay? I, it's gonna be big money, big money, okay? So you know, this is a pay per view kind of a situation. 
1900 at the Paris World Fair, Thomas Edison, or that's this is kind of debated, at the very least his company recorded his performance to showcase the device that emitted both sound and smell. Um, he was They were going to release the smell at a very poignant moment of the performance. It was never completed because Pujol didn't want to be portrayed that way. He didn't want his art to have the bad smell. And, and just another stench. Stuff. He didn't want that stench. A small clip of it, about like 30 seconds of it, you can actually watch on YouTube, but there's no sound. Fine. If you do watch a version with sound, it's not Joseph, it's a copycat barter. Wait, who, who is this idiot who is recording with silent film equipment Thomas a party in that performance? That's just Moving. a man well, were, standing. Is, I think they were going to add sound later, but then... Uh, Joseph didn't want to continue with the performance. Mm. Um, there's also, he also did records. <laughs> Can I find these online? There's one I'm going to show you to you now. Okay. From 1904, September mm. 1904. <laughs> What do you think? <laughs> I think I found my new favorite genre of music. And if I'm ever lucky enough to get married, my first dance. Yeah. Okay. That's enough. That's enough. Yeah. So there will never be enough. <laughs> unfortunately, there it's not. He's not on Spotify. That's you know just a recording of a record that someone has in their house of this. I'm sure these records are very expensive. There must be a way to track them down. But yeah, so that's his record from 1904. People kind of say that, like, people say that, like, the golden age of music was when, like, the Beatles came in and they just, they were on the, they just popped on the telly that one day and it just, Beatlemania ran the worldwide and then, you know, just there was that huge, huge upswing in music. No, no, no. 1904. Joseph Pujol. So tensions were kind of rising between him and the Moulin Rouge. They had an exclusive contract and in 1894, the managers sued him because he did a show for free to help his friend drum up business because his friend's shop was struggling from economic difficulties and they fined him They find him 3,000 francs. See, I, I was dead right about the Moulin Rouge and I was dead right about Le Petit Mon. Le Petit Mon, trying to help out the little guy, trying to help local businesses, the Moulin Rouge, Nicole Kidman, Ewan McGregor, greedy, 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 punishing true artists. Also, it was 3,000 francs. Considering his shows, you know, brought in at least 20,000, it was a small fee and they would lose their star. So it soured their relationship. Um, I'm not sure the exact order of things, but he would go on to tour, a successful tour across Europe and North Africa. And then in 1895, he left the Moulin Rouge for good and started his own company called the Theatre Pomp Pompadour, which included mime, magic, and other variety acts performed by his family and performer friends. And yeah, was cut ties with the Moulin Rouge. Was this new venture a huge success? 
Oh, of course. He was always successful. People loved his party. This was 10 years before his record came out, yes. you know? He you stayed strong. God. He top build. Absolutely. That is just someone going out and cutting out the middleman, the greedy Moulin Rouge, profiting off of this genius's work. And he said, nah, nah, nah. I'm taking my ass breathing elsewhere. Fair play to him. Exactly. Yeah, he was still wildly successful and at this stage had a house filled with servants for his massive family because he would go on to have a total of 10 children. Damn right. Damn right. Good man. Good man. I respect that. The Boulon Rouge was pissed. They were pissed at his abrupt leaving and quickly found another act to replace <sighs> him. No. La Femme Petomaine. <laughs> is If my French is... Um, uh, correct. Is this a female version of him? Oh, yes. Okay, now we're cooking. I'm sorry, Le Petit Mon. Uh, I betrayed you. I now have a new favorite act. Yeah, so this is Mademoiselle Theobald. Mm? Uh, Peugeot was pissed, and he found the idea that another fartiste could immediately replace him uh, ridiculous. So he sued. He sued them. And she was quickly exposed as a fraud, using a billow under her dress to perform the act. So she wasn't using her ass at all. I was just thinking this started like the beginnings of the most beautiful rom-com ever, but it was actually the most sinister betrayal ever. I feel like I'm I'm listening to an Aaron Sorkin script. Yeah, two beautiful um, fartists find each other. But no, she was a fraud. There'd be a lot, yeah. She was a fraud. I'm sorry, I'm just just disgusted here a minute. It's okay. Just disgusted. We'll have another silence. A few moments of silence for you Absolutely. to be disgusted. Let's just have a moment of silence. But... Let's just have a moment of silence. Okay. It's very somber. Are you are you over your disgustedness now? I'm I'm not over it, but I'm ready, ready to, to continue. Uh, to move on. Okay. I'm I, I, I'm I'm ready to continue. Okay. Yeah. So as he, he was getting older now, and with his new theater, he decides to try and refine his acts, making them a bit more gentler. And one of his favorite numbers became a rhyme about a farm, which he composed himself, which punctuated with anal renditions of the animal sounds. So it was kind of like old MacDonald, but he wrote it himself and would do different farting noises for the animal noises. Absolutely. Do we have uh, any animal examples? You know, I'm sure the basics, you know, pig, cow. I don't personally uh, have uh, have that information top of my head. Have that information. Okay, okay. I'm just, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like we, as a society, have let ourselves down that we've let any bit of this man's legacy and career fall through the cracks of history. Okay, every single historian listening to this right now, get off your lazy ass. Put down whatever you're working on. You are all now researching Le Putimon, and we are going to find out Every single detail about this man's life. What specific animals he could perform as. How he met his wife. Okay. I did my best. Um, Um, I located a biography. You did your best. Searsha, this has nothing to do with you. My my gripe is with the historians. Yeah. Because I am furious. Now, Searsha has done a great job introducing me to Le Petitmon. She has brought as much information as she possibly could. But it's not enough. I've got a hunger. I've got an addiction. I need more. So get off your lazy ass and get working. 
Find out which animals he could impersonate, how he met his wife. I'm sure more questions will arise. Get on it. Stop listening to this podcast and get to work. Okay, Sirsha, we can continue. I think that'll that'll rally the troops. Thank you for that. Yeah, and, and I appreciate You're welcome. You. Thank you. Uh, the climax... I can imagine it was frustrating for you trying <laughs> to comb through that, 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 pardon the pun, the annals of history and for there to be gaps. And the only gap I'm interested in is the one between the cheeks of Le Petit Mon that produced such a beautiful sound. That's the only gap I'm interested in. Mm. Sorry for getting so angry. No, no, I I think it's important to find real, real knowledge. There is a short movie directed by, do you know Ian McNaughton of Monty Python fame? Um, I don't. The, the He wasn't one of the Pythons. Did he just direct some of their movies, was it? Or? Yeah, and he he acted in some of them. He, was, he wasn't one of the main ones, but he was, he was you know, he was a proper Monty Python person. Okay. Um, but okay. he directed a short movie all about his life, and it was put together as a biographical film. However, the script does take artistic liberties, and I almost included information from it, which wasn't exactly correct. Um, but it is a good watch and it's all on YouTube. So after this, John, if you want to give that a watch, I think you'd find it funny. It gives a good example of his acts. It does show kind of showcase, you know, they had a, a great performer uh, portray him. So it does kind of give you an example of the kind of you stuff he You would did. think that this director's greatest achievement in life was being a part of Monty Python. But <laughs> clearly what this man should be remembered for is creating a film about Le Petit Mon. And absolutely, I'll be watching that tonight. There's a couple of, there's a good few musicals actually about his life. There's the Fartiste. Uh, there's also A Passing Wind. Le Petit Mon was added to David Lee's 2007 reworked revival of the Broadway play Can Can. So yeah, you can check out some of these musicals. Uh, the Fartiste did quite well. I love that it's a, it seems to be a whole genre of musical. That there isn't just one that yeah. there is a... <laughs> He's in a few. He's in a few. He's, also, the, he's also a star of a children's novel. <laughs> um, he's, he's portrayed in several films. Now, these are mainly foreign films. Mm. The English-speaking world maybe not hasn't embraced him so much. Oh, um, have you seen Blazing Saddles? I have. You know, the governor in that is named after Le Petit Mont, and there's a reference to him in that. Yes, and of course, that's the first film ever to uh, include farting in it. You know, as we talked about, farting's always been funny in history always been funny that was the first movie that ever had farting in it so you know what Le Petit Mon of course gets a shout out um mm. is he do you know is does he feature at all uh in reference uh in the film Thunderpants um you know are you familiar with the film Thunderpants I I am I have a very vague it's one of those films I have a very vague memory of like a very vague memory of... You need to revisit it. It's a classic. I definitely watched it as a ch- child. The, the greatest thing Rupert Grint ever did. Yes. Yes. His greatest achievement. Yes. I did watch that movie. Yes. My memories of it are, are very, very vague though. Does it hold up? Of course it holds up. It's it's the Citizen Kane of films. It's for any of our listeners that... Um, I've called them our listeners now. I've assumed that they are both ours now who haven't heard of uh, Thunderpants. It's about a young boy in Britain who gets bullied because of his big, loud old farts. And he finds out that he's got two stomachs, much like a cow. Um, And his friend, his only friend, played by Rupert Grint, is an inventor of sorts. 
and he invents mm-hmm. uh, the thunder pants, which are pants that end up controlling and containing this man's, uh, this boy's unstoppable farts. He then goes on to create Thunder Pants 2, which is a hovercraft. There's a thing with the CSI, isn't there? Like something. Well, big... it's NASA. NASA, that what was happens it. Is they see Thunder Pants 2, which makes a hovercraft that can like barely go over the ground across a field. And they create a spaceship that's entirely powered by farts. And Thunder Pants himself powers the spaceship into space. Um, and uh, that is the movie. Great. Would you believe they covered. All of this in only an hour and 27 minutes. <laughs> film, kids films are... Films Believe are... it or not, that they covered all the these inventions and all... And also, uh, Paul Giamatti's in it, apparently. And Stephen Fry. Yeah. And there's loads of people in it. There you go. Uh, lots, of, lots of farting things in history. John Higgins is in it. John Francis Higgins. Are you just reading the IMDb page now? I'm, I'm reading the cast here. Yeah, of Thunderpants. I'm a bit distracted. Look, I'll put away <laughs> Thunderpants and get on put to more serious Pants. matters like Le Petit Monde. We're almost finished. We're, we're coming up to the end. And then I'll let you watch your Thunderpants tonight. Oh, thank God. Thank you. Thank you. We can all, can all watch it together. Maybe we'll do an absurd real history watch party of Thunderpants. People are up for that. Absolutely. Nothing would make me happier. Uh, so... We're kind of at the end of his artistic career. During this time, the climax of his act consisted of a farting impression of the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. So, can <laughs> think of that. Very specific. Yeah. It's a very specific earthquake. Yeah. Uh, however, with the outbreak of the First World War, he didn't really have the heart to continue his act during this time with all that was going on. Think kind of really affected him the war especially when two of his sons were left disabled from the war so he retired and returned back to the bakery in marseille and then later moved to toulon and established a successful biscuit factory this man is an absolute triumph that he is being presented with betrayal and tragedy and he has only ever turned it into positivity and opportunity. Like, I hope that he didn't have to make this bakery because he, for some reason he uh, didn't make enough money from the farting. I hope he did it out of love. Oh, he was loaded. He made loads of money. He just liked baking? He just liked baking. And I think as well, like, he was getting older. So the ass breathing, you know, it takes a toll on your, your physical health. Mm. And, you know, France was getting attacked. You know, he didn't really feel right to continue this kind of a farting with everything that was going on in the world, which I kind of, I understand. Have you ever seen um, the Mickey Rourke film, The Wrestler? No, that's a film I haven't seen. I, I had seen Thunderpants, but this one, this one, no. So Mickey Rourke, this is like a, a film from Darren Aronofsky. It's an Oscar nominated drama where Mickey Rourke plays an old aged wrestler. Uh, still going out on the small shows, trying to earn a little bit of money uh, when he used to be the biggest star in the world. And it's very harrowing, and Mickey Rourke's performance is great in it. Um, and I think uh, a, a film starring Mickey Rourke, directed by Darren Aronofsky, about Le Petit Monde, um, would be a surefire way for them to win some much-deserved Oscars. Well, how, how would you feel about this? 
Johnny Depp said he was a true artist and said he would love to play him in a film one day. Johnny Depp, you dirty devil. Now, Johnny Depp, he has had many transformations in his career. He has transformed into Willy Wonka, Edward Scissorhands, an alleged wife beater. He's transformed into many things. Uh, so uh, do I want him anywhere near Le Petit Mon? I think not. Yeah, I don't think he could quite uh, pull it off. I think there's many other actors I would I would place as Le Petit Mon. Yeah, who would you cast? Who would I cast? Yeah. See, I feel like I want to cast someone so, so ridiculous. You know, I think just because you put Rupert Grint in my head, I kind of feel like Daniel Radcliffe could do a pretty funny job. Daniel Radcliffe, that's good, that's good. I was thinking Cara Delevingne. Well, she's got range. I think she's got, she's the, got range. the range. I think this is the performance she needs. Meryl Streep, maybe? Yeah. Oh, get Streep in there. Yeah, forget Cara Delevingne. Get Streep in there. Absolutely. Well, Streep would be the the imposter. She, the le, le femme petit. No, 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 no. I think we... I think here's what we're going to no? do, all right? Here, we're cooking now. We're cooking with grease. Okay. We're going to have... Uh, Streep as Le Petit Mon, um, and we are going to have Cara Delevingne as the imposter. Okay, okay, yeah. Makes and you know sense. what? Just to get Radcliffe in there, he can be one of the sons that gets injured in the war. We need the Moulin Rouge. We need Z- Zidler. Okay, um, let's just let's just get back uh, the cast of Moulin Rouge. Let's get the cast of Moulin Rouge back. Let's get Nicole Kidman, Ewan McGregor, um, the dad from Bridget Jones's Diary. Let's. So this is in the Moulin Rouge cinematic universe. Uh, the MRCU. Yeah. Le Petit Mont, Joseph Pujon, passed away in 1945 at age you know, 88. I, I assumed he was dead, but a part of me was hoping he was still alive. That somehow the ass breathing had kept him alive through the centuries. 88's a decent age to live to, though. It is. That's a good innings. That's a good innings. Retired with his biscuit. Yeah, retired with his biscuit factory. He outlived his wife, Elizabeth, by 15 years. So. Oh. Yeah, that's sad. His eldest surviving son, Louis, said, in the course of his long life, he had given of his best. Never has a truer yeah. word, word been said. His son, played by Daniel Radcliffe, absolutely nailed the head, hit the nail on the head there. So, following his death, medical schools all across Paris clamoured to examine his famous anus because obviously he Parasites. wasn't. Just wanted to know what was going on because they knew he wasn't farting. You know, his ass breathing. Like, how is this? Just wanted to examine him. Just let let a great yeah. man rest. A medical school offered the family 25,000 francs to be able to study his body, but none of the children... A yeah, paltry sum. The a children wouldn't sum. let him. His eldest son, Louis, is quoted saying, there are some things in this life which simply must be treated with reverence. So. Damn right. Damn right. You know, I'm all about like organ donation... And, you know, I firmly believe once, you know, you're done with your body in life, if it can help others in the living world, then it's your duty to uh, uh, give your body uh, to the world. Uh, But this is a very special exception. And uh, some things, as was clearly stated there, needs to be held in reverence. Yeah. It's worth noting, though, that he wasn't the first professional farter. And here's something that I 
recently find out that in ancient Ireland, we had bragatory, which were essentially medieval jesters who would entertain their lords by passing wind. The bragator was often joined by a genital contortionist. This was obviously before the Catholic Church got its hands on Ireland. I would imagine that somewhere in the, forgive the pun again, annals of history, um, my great 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 grandmother and great 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 grandfather met one being a farter and one being a genital mutilator. Contortionist. Yeah, well, the genital contortionists were generally men. Um, some weird stuff about moving their balls around or something. I know. I didn't really look into it too much. I had already researched a lot of fart stuff. Yeah. Look. We're we're into the farts here. I'm 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 okay skipping out on the on the on the. Well, balls. here's something for you, and this is what I'm going to conclude my well, the, concluding my research and concluding what I've written up anyway. I did find a modern day comedian inspired and using the same techniques as Joseph, uh, called Mister Methane. He's British. Um, he bills himself as currently the world's only performing fartists. He wears like a, a bright green superhero outfit um, and he farts talcum powder so you can tell that it's breathing so you can see the, the air or whatever. He was on Britain's Got Talent. Simon Cowell called him a disgusting creature. Simon Cowell wouldn't know talent if it's farted in the middle of his face, literally. Yeah, he performs in all the comedy festivals around the world. He's in his mid fifties now, still going strong. Um, I do have to say though, personally, um, his YouTube channel and his Instagram was kind of one of the worst things I've, I've ever seen. But if you're interested in the farting comedy world, then John, you know, there's someone you can reach out to. Absolutely. It's great to see that this fine art form is still being kept alive in the current generation. Mm -hmm. And I hope that he sticks that out for a couple more years before he take follows suit and starts his own yeah. bakery. And that's that's it. That's everything. That's Joseph Ponjon, Le Petit Mont. Uh, thanks for coming on, John. I hope you, you learned something useful. I learned so many useful things here. Thank you for having me on this podcast and introducing me to who is now one of my great heroes. It's very rare that somebody can give you a gift so beautiful uh so once Amazing. again thank you uh, would you like to plug plug anything um yeah um i want uh, if you're listening to this if you can go on youtube and type in le petit mon i want to plug le petit mon uh, i think he deserves more shout outs uh in a podcast not on youtube him. uh but unfortunately if uh, before his time before well, his time wherever you can find le petit mon get some le petit mon um, and then if you've got all your Le Petit Mon fill, uh, yeah, you can put, you know, we're in our lockdown, so uh, there's no live gigs or anything. But I've got an Instagram at the John Spillan and I have weekly sketches so you can uh, watch there. Undoubtedly, the next one will be about Le Petit Mon. <laughs> Glad to inspire. Well, that's why I do this podcast is uh, I like finding weird stories to influence stories that I like to tell. I think there's enough absurdity in the past uh thank you john as always i've been your host saoirse shanae you can find me on instagram and twitter and all that this is brought to you through my company scream for ireland so if you would like to give all that a like on all the various socials facebook instagram 
Twitter, I'd really appreciate it. That would be real sound. And yes, that's everything. Thank you. Thank you, John. You're going to go off and practice your ass breathing? Absolutely. Fabulous. <laughs>